SequelCast 2 is part of the Batman Podcast Network. For more information, go to batman-on-film.com. The race is on. R2-D2 and C-3PO get Thal Drobin ready, set, and gone. Thal's a sure winner, but Vin in size and T-Drome want to stop him from the side gun Teague attacks. Thal... Listeners and welcome to the penultimate, the ultimate, sub-ultimate, supersized, supreme episode of In Trouble Again, a Star Wars droids podcast. Uh, the podcast where we look back at the 1980s animated Star Wars oddity, Droids, The Adventures of R2-D2 and C-3PO. That music you just heard was the theme song from Droids, covered by the Cybertronic Spree. Check out their music online. Uh, I am your host, William Thrasher, and with me as always is my counterpart, Matt. Hi, how you doing? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm doing well, but the, the, the melancholy weight that this is our, our final episode is pressing down upon me. Yeah, so what are we going to do this final episode? Well, we're just generally speaking going to look back on the show droids just in total for, for what it was. We'll probably talk about how it connects to other aspects of Star Wars. We'll talk about the, our experiences actually podcasting the show, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we wish we could have done, uh, what we're happy we did. Uh, and, and we might cap off uh, some of our regular segments as well. Sounds good to me. In fact, I'd, I would like to start, if I may, with a, a quote I found. I was doing a bit of pre-search, as we like to say. Uh, this was in a, an article from 2015 on Yahoo Entertainment where uh, they got to interview Paul Dini, who wrote on not just Star Wars droids, but Star Wars Ewoks. Nice. And, uh, I think, and there's this quote. Uh, the question, it's less of a question, more of a statement, but it's a fair point. Ewoks lasted two seasons, where droids only lasted for 13 episodes. And Paul Dini responded, I think Ewoks fits the paradigm of what ABC was looking for more as a Saturday morning cartoon. The characters were softer, more child-appealing. Troid was more of a hard sell because of what George Lucas wanted the show to be. He wanted R2-D2 and C-3PO to be vagabonds going from master to master, just trying to find their place in the universe. And, I mean, that's really hard to argue with. Like, that is what the show was, and, and we've, we've talked about this on this this year podcast in Trouble Again. Um it the show basically reboots itself every four episodes, and I, and I think that's one of the things, that, the things that's good with it is that one mm-hmm. it it plays up an aspect of the characters from the films that R two D two and C three PO are in many ways the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Star Wars, but just beyond that, the fact that it is it is an existential show. It's these two people always on the move trying to find the one place where they fit. There's something sort of narratively and philosophically very satisfying about that. 
Well, and a major reason why these shows were around was a way, much like Star Trek, the animated series, it was a way to keep the brand alive when you weren't doing new movies right away. <laughs> very, very true. I mean, it, and it, it really wouldn't be until the 90s when, when the Star Wars spinoffs really took on a, a full life of their own. And and I kind of, I, I don't know, I, 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 I always I always feel very very melancholy that that this this animated series wasn't the Star Wars Renaissance. Yeah, you know I think what if Star Wars droids had happened, uh, or maybe they did like a new version of it, like in in the early '90s around the time of Batman and the animated series and X Men, and, and done something kind of like in that vein, where. It was a bit more adult, a bit darker. I think not as much as what they got away with in, say, the later Clone Wars show. But something done sort of in that style, I think, maybe could have been more successful. Star Wars droids uh, was ahead of its time, not just in that it did story arcs, but um, that it was trying to... It had higher aspirations, let's say, than not just Ewoks, but like a lot of other Saturday morning cartoons on TV. You did... um, I was thinking about this during the week because I was... Uh, thinking about how to do this kind of farewell show to this, uh, you know, sort of droids miniature series we're doing here within Trouble Again, a Star Wars droids podcast. You can download episodes at SequelCast2.com. Um, see how smooth that is? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, with... Stamps.com. Stamps.com. You can get your stamps at Stamps.com. I'm a Shecky Spielboy, and that's Stamps.com. No. It's about time um, we had him on the show. It's a sh- uh, shame he had to go so quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in all seriousness... You did have anime and stuff that was recobbled in uh, what was what was like the Robotech was it Robotech and stuff where you had story arcs in shows in the eighties at this time yeah for, like uh, for some yeah. for some of the anime that was brought over yeah Harmony Gold had brought over Robotech and it was popular enough that they ran out of Japanese episodes it was ba- based around Super Dimensional Fortress Macross so they ran out of episodes of Macross so to keep Robotech going they just bought up the rights to other anime series and kind of came up with narrative reasons why, well, this is the future of the previous series. And so in America, what is known as Robotech is made up of uh, Super Dimensional Fortress, Macross, uh, Mosspedia, and, oh no, uh, Southern Cross, then Mosspedia. Mosspedia was the third one, which is when the show got post-apocalyptic. God. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so... You didn't have this many examples of trying to do this kind of a narrative or appeal to sort of an older audience. I mean, perhaps with some of the later Transformers uh, episodes, it tried to be a bit darker. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm I'm glad they got to do the 13 episodes that they did. Uh, and, and had we got a second season in what it would have been 1985 or whatever, that, or in 86... I think it would have been um, softened a good bit, much like Ewoks was in its second season. And I have to wonder, you know, would would they have cut back on the animation for because, like, for as many flaws as the animation on this show has, it still overall is is looks better than so much of what was available at the time, you know, anime notwithstanding. And and I, and you know, would would they have cut back? Because if you watch, because it's very rare. For especially at the time, for an animated series to go to, to even go longer than one season, most stop at three. Uh, the only notable exceptions uh, of this era being Muppet Babies and the Smurfs, uh, and then later Ghostbusters and the Ninja Turtles. 
and in most of those cases with the other shows that got more seasons, you could tell they'd cut it back. And often those other seasons would be shortened, maybe only 10 episodes. And, you know, more droids is more droids. I want to see that, but I do feel like it would have been, it, it, it very well could have been diminishing returns. Yeah, I mean, thinking of other shows, I mean, this would have been after this, but um, the real Ghostbusters, Corfield and Friends, uh, Ninja Turtles, you know, those kind of went on for a while. But you're right. I mean, with animation, uh, it, it's hard because it takes a long time to produce and it's expensive. And then you don't know what you have with the ratings, you know, until it goes on the air. So, And then you got to wonder, like, how, how much of a hand is, does Lucas have in this? Because Lucas has been involved in, uh, you know, up until he sold Star Wars, was heavily involved in many Star Wars spinoffs, many aborted television series that, that never got made. Uh, you know, infamously, Star Wars Detours, two full seasons of that show were complete, but never released for for whatever reason um and I, I bet you it'll show up on this Disney plus service and and in some cases yeah I and I, and I hope so I, I really want to see it I want to see see what that could have been and and I wonder because you know supposedly some of the reasons some of those so Star Wars spinoffs didn't come out is because you know George Lucas sort of changed his mind about other semi-related Star Wars plans like uh which was like one of the, one of the reasons why certain areas of Star Wars history were blocked off as off limits for video games, novels, and comics, because Lucas thought, well, maybe I'll do a movie or a TV show set in that era, and I really want to be in charge of those eras. Would the same thing have happened with droids? Would he have had a heavy hand in it, or would he have said, "Hey, Paul Dini, everybody else, I trust you. You just make more of the show." It sounds like he was relatively hands off, but. At the same time, there was things they couldn't do. He did not want them to have Luke or Leia or Chewbacca, you know, did not want those main characters in there, which is why it's set um, between, I mean, it wasn't called this at the time, but, you know, between <laughs> episode three and four, right? Set before Star Wars, episode four, A New Hope. Um, you mentioned, you know, more Star Wars things that never came to pass. The, the one I really would have loved to have seen, and in fact, they they wrote like like a whole season or two, or maybe a Bible even of, of uh, scripts, it was a Star Wars show that would have taken place in the underbelly of Coruscant, I think set in the prequels. Um, Rick McCallum, who produced the Star Wars prequels and uh, was going to be involved with this, described it as like Deadwood meets Star Wars. I don't think it would have been that dark. Huh. Um, and, and one of the people working on the, the scripts was uh, Ronald D. Moore, who did the 2000 version of uh, Battlestar Galactica and worked on Star Trek Next Generation and so forth and some of those movies. And in an interview, he said he, he was in a meeting with these, uh, with these other screenwriters, and George Lucas was there, and they're trying to hash out the story. And at one point, Ronald D. Moore um, found himself telling George Lucas, no, Darth Vader wouldn't do that. And then he had to catch himself, and he's like, wait a second. <laughs> well, the thing is, sometimes that's right. Like, I, yes. Like, if, if you've... Yeah. Like, if you've read like any long running like book series or something, there's always that moment when when the author has the character say or do something that you feel is out of character. Uh, so so D Ronald Dean Moore might not have been wrong. Um, I, I, I would have loved to have been there to hear that conversation. I wish they published those scripts or even do it as a comic or, or something. I don't I don't think that that will happen with um, the new streaming 
service, you know, now, now that Disney has owned Star Wars for a while and now they own Fox, which I think is horrific. Um, Fox Entertainment, not Fox News, uh, I should hasten to add. Um, we're getting a series called The Mandalorian, which is about bounty hunters set during the prequels, which I think is really an uninteresting concept, but that's just me. I think the well, bounty hunter stuff is so overplayed. It's it's the most obvious premise for a Star Wars show right after Jedi Buddy Cops. Uh, yeah. And I mean, but I mean, speaking of bounty hunters, we can take this discussion, I think, back to Star Wars droids. I'm looking here at this list. Um, you need me to send you a link of the list of episodes or do you have something? Oh, actually, I have uh, I've got that up right now. Do you? OK. Um, and just looking at this list of episodes, when I think overall, when we think overall of these story arcs, which one do you think is the most effective? Because you essentially had three and then that movie you had. Um, I'm just going by the names that are listed on uh, Wikipedia. You have like the first one, the battle against Sis from you have the pirates and the prince and you have uncharted uh, space. And the Great Heap. I think overall, I probably have to go with Uncharted Space. I love Mungo Baobab as a character. I love that. I love that high flying adventure he has trying to secure, you know, his fortune. I love. Uh, there's some of the best storytelling in this arc. Although that being said, the Pirates and the Prince, for as much dead weight as that story arc had. Its high points, I feel, were higher than the high points we got in Uncharted Space. As a whole, it doesn't work, but but it it hit better heights. I, I'm going to strongly disagree with this, and uh, oh. this is this is what makes for a good conversation. I think, uh, I, for my money, the first batch of episodes I think was the most successful, which they're calling the battle against Cease From, or oh, I can't pronounce things very well this morning. Um, Size from size from. Thank you. Um, that you had these uh, these bad guys. The, these the, the from gang was just sort of the constant infighting. Reminded me of of things like uh, you know Starscream and Megatron or Crane and Shredder. That sort of thing you'd see in cartoons all the time. Or Joker and Harley Quinn. All that stuff uh, it was a nice dynamic, I think. And uh, Jord and Thal as speeder bike racers, not the most compelling characters, but there is some kind of something that they're just so simple, I think. And that made, there's something very simple about this storyline. They didn't try to do too much. And, and especially that, that race to the finish episode where they're at the Boonta Eve race and Boba Fett's in there and they mentioned Jabba the Hutt. I mean, I think that's, that's very strong and it's perhaps as Star Wars as droids gets. Oh, yeah, and there's the droid that built himself. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're right about that. I mean, uh, Size From uh, and uh, and his, his henchmen, or Tig From, Size From, uh, yeah. and Vlix, of all the villains in this series, oh, they had the best dynamic. They each had their own unique personalities, goals, motivations, and viewpoints. They all played over each other really well. I'm frankly the only other villain that really stands out is Admiral Screed, and he never plays off of any of the other characters. He just shouts at them. I think I'll, I'll think Screed is my favorite villain, but this From Gang dynamic was amazing. The Pirates and the Prince stuff, I, I think, was was okay, but the the dead weight weight I thought was a little bit of a turnoff. Um, and yet, the one episode where you had the, 
I think it was Revenge of Kaibo Ren, where you had the brothers kind of fighting against each other. It was was pretty interesting. Um, and the... I don't... I think that, that Pirates and the Prince arc is the one where you get the the strongest concept of the droids and their master and having a, the most cohesive story arc. Well, also beyond, beyond that, within that arc, the droids change hands. I mean, originally mm-hmm. they're, they're yeah. owned, uh, owned by Jan Tosh working for him, but then they're working for Manjulpa, but then they're the caretakers of, uh, the nephew of Manjulpa's, or the, the younger brother of Manjulpa's betrothed. Right, and um, I'm glad you mentioned that because that that last episode, the fifth one, making it the longest arc, uh, Kobe and the Star Hunters, is a, a show that I think had droids have continued, it probably would have resembled that episode more. That oh, where they would more, be teamed up with a kid. With a kid, I think so. Yeah, and been been more slapsticky, less um, less about I don't know, like biochemical warfare <laughs> or in a planet. Well, it's funny enough, like, I wouldn't mind more slapstick, because I think the droids are good vehicles for various kinds of comedy, but I don't want to see them teamed up with a kid. Uh, That's something that, like, I I, I like that by and large there are not too many kid characters in Star Wars, because you you run the risk of having the annoying, precocious sci-fi kid that you just, you hate seeing on screen. It's just much more interested when they're teamed up with somebody who's a little more sure of themselves, who knows themselves a bit better, and is a lot more dynamic and, in, and and can at least attempt to be in control of their life situation. Ah, jeepers, Pollywog! We got to go into the jungle and get the flimity flap. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> there, there's so much precociousness and, and predictability, and, and it, just when you have a kid, you know, they can't really threaten the kid because it's a kid's cartoon. So, like, what? It, it really limits the stakes, and uh, that each... I'll give Star Wars droids credits for this. Each arc really feels different from the other one. No, it is true. They all deal with different themes. The, uh, the None of the villains seem like carbon copies of any of the other villains, which I think is, is great. The, all the antagonists stand out on their own. Uh, I do like that they do get to interact with Boba Fett, IG-88, and some other like mainline Star Wars movie characters. Um, but as it's kind of an outlier because it's not an arc, it's just an extended standalone episode. What? How, how do you feel about like, how do you feel the Great Heap fits into your estimation of all these characters and plot lines? The Great Heap as a, as a story, uh, to me, I think is is really stretched thin. But I do like it visually. I think all the different droid designs, the designs of uh, all the different. Like R two D two knockoffs and and the Great Heap himself in particular, it is really inspired. And that I, I like the concept that it's more of a story focusing on the droids, or the droids have a more central part to take. Well, it's also nice that there's a droid antagonist. And that too, sure, yeah, um, absolutely. That that's a main antagonist at that. I think we had some a bad guy droid here and there earlier in the series, but. Um, so it is not by any stretch of the imagination one of my favorite shows, but uh, maybe I should watch it again. I think perhaps it would grow on me. But I think uh, visually, and also the animation seems a bit better. I don't, on some level, that is the show at the top of its game. A game. I just don't think the plot is is quite as sharp as it should you know, be. You know what I think I like about it. When it comes down to it, of all of these, both arcs and individual episodes, the Great Heap 
is the only one where from beginning to end, R2-D2 and C-3PO are 100% in their elements, and it does not help them at all. <laughs> That, yeah, that's true. I, I think that, that that is something strong about the show. Uh, they're still put here, upon. They're still run ragged. <laughs> they're right, still made um, to suffer, as C-3PO puts it. Looking here on Wikipedia, apparently when Droids was, was airing in uh, in the UK, you know, there would be different children programming shows where they would slot in cartoons and so forth, where it would just... And the title for one of these is perhaps the most British children's show title imaginable, The 815 from Manchester. <laughs> God. That, so I that so is... I guess our follow-up program podcast will be looking at every episode of 815 for Manchester. I'm sure there are only <laughs> seven. Oh actually no, it looks like there's forty three. That's how many there are. Loaves and loaves of the eight fifteen for Manchester. Who boy. Um yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Star Wars droids did continue in, in some respects. We had talked about the Star Wars droids comics, and, and uh, Dark Horse comics, at least, did a, a compilation of those. Uh, and I imagine some of them are available on the Marvel app, now that Marvel has all the Star Wars comics. I would presume so. The Marvel Unlimited app, um, which is a pretty good deal if you enjoy Marvel comics. So I, I just have to ask you, since we, we've gone through this, what would you have liked to have seen out of a second season of droids? Hmm. Second season of droids. Like, like assuming, like assuming that it was another thing where it's three story arcs and one special. Ah, Gotcha. What do you think that would be like? And we can hash this out together too. Very good. Um, yeah, I, I would do an arc. Uh, I like what they try to do in the beginning, kind of hinting at the formation of the rebellion. And so I would maybe do an arc that lines up with the uh, butts up against the beginning of episode four, A New Hope, where they're assigned to Commander Antilles, who is is not Wedge Antilles, by the way. People get that confused, but... It's a common name. uh, Apparently so. I mean, it's it's like Smith. Yeah, it's a confusing choice, to say the least, but sure. Um, And I think you would do something leading about that. You would have more like... Leia and uh, her 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 family on Alderaan and and the droids and probably Darth Vader and the Emperor and it would be more of a direct uh, movie tie-in. I think that's how you would end the season. Um. So and this would be presuming that they were told, okay, you get one more season and that's it. You're lucky you're getting this season. Uh, another arc, I would would, would love to um. Hmm. Do do something where the droids have no master. Make it a bit more surreal, kind of like the that arc in the Clone Wars, where the droids are just wandering around with weird aliens and robots and stuff. Hmm. And uh, and for the third arc, I, I think I would do. The droids get a master. That's that's a bad guy, not the huts necessarily, but. Um, they get they pick out a master who they think is a is a good person, but who's a really bad dude, and they they get conflicted about their orders somewhat. Now, is he a bad enough dude to save the emperor? He's a bad enough dude to save the emperor and the president, <laughs> and the ninjas, all the ninjas. Um, 
and maybe along those lines, maybe you'd be a bad guy who would look more directly like a samurai or something. You would have some, because that was so big in the 80s, you'd have some ninja samurai uh, kind of shogun action going on there. A real, a real Frank Miller type uh, ninja character. Mm-hmm. And, and what would your point... special be? Ah, okay, very good. Special. Mm. The the special would be uh, an adaptation. I mean, I can I can do it with whatever I want with the story. So it would be an adaptation of one of my favorite. Uh, oh, what was that book? Was it Star Wars Tales? Where it was like the What If comics? Oh, well, there was oh crud. There was uh, the one in the two thousands. Uh, really yeah. good artwork, rotating artists and writers. It it had yeah it had a name. It was, it was like Star Wars Tangents or something like that. Uh, okay okay. Um, Infinities? Eh. Uh, no, actually, Infinities sounds right. Yeah, maybe Infinities was, was it. But but anyhow, this would be based on one of those comics I thought was really effective, where it cross-cut between Empire Strikes Back with Darth Vader finding a, a, a torn-apart C-3PO and flashing back to him as a kid, as young Anakin building C-3PO. And it's such <laughs> a clever sort of melancholy story that I think doing that and in, in, in building upon it in an animated form would be perfect for a special. Yeah. Oh, and yes, it was Star Wars Infinities, uh, Dark Horse Comics 2002 to 2004. Very good. So this is like, what, so what are your pitches for so, three seasons and a special? So one thing that I'm, I'm kind of surprised we lined up perfectly on, I also want to see a story arc where the droids master is a villain. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think, like, flat out, their master is going to be, like, a toadying imperial operative. Maybe he's, like, a member. Maybe he's, like, a, a local governor or some sort of, like, some sort of, imper- some sort of imperial politician who's always trying to curry favor from the emperor and, you know, uh, insult his lackeys. And, uh, and initially, of course, uh, C-3PO is going to love it because, you know, oh, they're in the employ of a sophisticated young gentleman. This is going to be great. <laughs> but as the art continues, they realize all the awful stuff that their master is facilitating by being an Imperial loyalist. So about halfway through the arc, the droids stop being bumbling sidekicks and start becoming saboteurs. Where R2-D2 and C-3PO, if only to escape this master, start doing things that end up humorously sabotaging the Imperial war effort. I, I like that. that. So you would have kind of, the, not really knowing it, they would ironically like play one side against the other. Yeah, and they like might literally interpret orders like in an um, Amelia Bedelia sort of way, in a way that like sabotages Star Destroyers. We might allude to the Death Star, or maybe see the Death Star under construction uh, at some point, uh, which might be kind of fun, especially if there's like a tour <laughs> that he's being given. Uh, we could have Admiral Screed show up because that's one thing I love that this series did was having characters from one arc appearing briefly in other arcs. So I think I would like to maintain that and. Admiral Screed is too good of a villain. I would want him to show up at some point. Um, So another arc I want to do, because I feel like I loved the character and I feel like she was underserved, uh, Jessica Mead. 
Jessica Mead, the uh, old Iron Pants herself, she becomes our <laughs> C-3PO's master. She basically, she's done on Tamuzan. She decides in the end, you know, her heart's in space and she wants to get back to uh, doing her merchant stuff. So she gets a nice, sleek, high-tech courier ship takes on uh, R2-D2 as her navigational assistant and C-3PO as her personal assistant. Uh, and over the... And I kind of want this to just flat out become like Smokey and the Bandit. Like uh, that at, by the end of the second episode, she gets a really choice bit of cargo, but it's on a time limit. They've got to get this cargo uh, delivered within a limited amount of time, uh, possibly because it's going to expire. Maybe it's like medicine for a uh, maybe the ruse sickness has gotten out of the rune system. Um, the way you're and, describing and it, it reminds me a bit of the, the computer game we both enjoyed, Wind Commander Privateer. Oh, very much so, yes. And and in the end, like it will all be about sort of her her making her fortune. She'll be a hero, but she'll also make her fortune. But of course, R two D two and C three PO um, will uh, will they will have to part ways. And I think the way they're going to part ways in this one, because in the previous arc when they worked for a villain, the villain's just going to throw him in the trash, and that's how they're going to leave his employ. The mm. way they're going to leave Jessica Mead's employ is it ends. It's like a big Enos, little Enos thing. Like at the very end, oh, we got another cargo for you to run. And she's in such a hurry. She sort of runs on the ship. Come on, R2. Come on, C-3PO. Let's go. She runs on the ship. Um, she, uh, They're not fast enough to get on board. And so she just takes off. And so they're, they're left behind. And just like, I just, I love the Jessica Mead character so much. I want to see her get her own complete arc. Then uh, my th- my third arc, I love a good detective story. So my third arc is R2-D2 and C-3PO, uh, they witness a crime. Like something bad happens to their master. Maybe their master is murdered. Maybe yeah, their master yeah. fakes their death. But essentially, a detective, inve- uh, a detective investigating this crime, and it'll be on a high-tech Coruscant-type planet, he takes them into his custody because he needs their data banks to like testify at a trial and who knows maybe the from gang is involved and so it's all film noir and detective stuff with them hanging around with this detective while they're waiting for the court date where they're going to testify well now what kind of a detective would it be would it be like a sloppy colombo detective would it be more like a a hard-nosed sam spade i'm i'm imagining kind of a decker from blade runner oh is there a real like tough tough as nails uh kind of alcoholic I don't know if I'd be flat out alcoholic, but I think like I think I I think he would have good detective skills. I think he would be tough, but at the same time, I think he would also think he's more clever than he is. Hmm. Like so he's he, good at tracking uh, people, he's good at making yeah. intuitive leaps, but he doesn't really have an analytical mindset. I see. T- to the point where R two D two and C three PL will probably end up helping him solve a solve a mystery or two uh, while they're waiting for this court date. So those would be my three arcs, and my uh, my special would be the Greater Heap. Um, this one it will imply that it takes place after they are thrown in the trash by the Imperial uh, operative they're working for. It takes place on a junk planet with acid rain that is populated almost pretty much entirely by droids and junk scavengers, uh, and. 
it's all sort of it's sort of about the nature of faith and hope and everything because C-3PO wants to get off this planet so that they can find a master and still be useful. So it all becomes about this conflict between two main groups of droids. The droids that want to be useful, who want to find a way off the planet, and the droids who are given up and are cynical and want to hold all the other droids back. It's a whole crabs in the bucket situation. And the way it's going to end is that some droids with gumption working together are going to use the junk to repair a starship and fly it off world to get to a big droid swap meet that they know is coming up. Hmm. So I don't know what, what are your feedbacks on my uh, season two pitch? Uh, You know, out of those, the ones that jumped out to me, the, the detective thing I thought was really cool. And when you mentioned iron pants, it made me realize in star Wars droids, you never had a master that was a woman. That is that is very true, and I would definitely change that with my Jessica Mead uh, story arc. Right, and um, my uh, another another pitch that comes to mind just now is, uh, what if their their master was a droid? Huh. There's certainly you know having these short four episode arcs that sort of forces you, if you're really having you know real crisp writing and, and so in good plotting you can really get in and get out and develop your characters and tell a really tight focused story uh, without a lot of fat to it so i mean clearly there's a lot you can do with um with the star the world of star wars and maybe we'll see a new <laughs> droid series as as disney proceeds to fuck the franchise to death with their gazillion <laughs> wow. what they will you know they're going to oh with, no they with, will with, they, they with will disney they... plus they're gonna Take that, um, I mean, look at what CBS is doing with, they have their own paid subscription service, CBS All Access, Star Trek Discovery was a hit. Now, how you determine something is a hit when it's, is it just by numbers of subscribers that join? I have no idea, right? But now they've, they've announced like no less than like four different Star Trek shows. They're doing Picard. They're doing a spinoff um, about like a black op society from uh, Star Trek Discovery, they're doing a cartoon. They're doing this, all this other shit. And yeah, I guess I guess what it is with Star Wars is you know you yes, technically because it is a product of the imagination, Star Wars is an infinitely renewable resource. That being said, it does need time to recharge. You do need to let it cool, and you also need to accept that Star Wars often has its greatest successes within these niche audiences, such as comic books, such as the the video games. Um, I do feel like we kind of are hitting a critical mass of Star Wars. I wouldn't mind if there was maybe 20% less Star Wars in our lives right now, just so I could savor it a bit more. Yeah, I will say at least for the movies, I mean, so so we can see that Star Wars, the, the Han Solo movie coming nearly six months after Episode Eight, The Last Jedi... I think is part of the reason why it wasn't as uh, didn't make quite as many hundreds of millions of dollars as they would have liked. I think people calling it a flop is kind of making it sound like it did much worse than it did. Uh, but when this uh, Rise of Skywalker episode nine comes out this uh, holiday season, there's not going to be a Star Wars movie. I think for at least two or three years. That's probably not a bad idea. Because originally they were going to do three spin-off movies, but especially after the directors kept on changing on the third one, which was going to be a Boba Fett movie, which I think would have been a, a dumb idea, they're, they repurposed a lot of that for this Mandalorian TV show. Um, so, and I think you have a, a 
two different trilogies being worked on, one by the, the, the showrunners of Game of Thrones and one by Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed uh, The Last Jedi. You know what would be a great thing to do while not while taking a hiatus and not releasing Star Wars into theaters? Why not just pick a year and every month one of the older movies shows up in the theater? And just over the course of like a year, go through all of the movies. That would be fun. What I would like to see, and I bet we'll get this, is an all-day marathon of episodes one through nine. In, in a theater. Hmm. That would be a fun, albeit smelly, depressing experience. <laughs> because I, I don't know about you, Thrasher, but I've worked in a movie theater a few times in my life. And the shine falls off that rose pretty quick. Oh, yeah. It's a smelly, sticky place. <laughs> <laughs> a wretched um, hive of scum and a, villainy. A wretched hive of scum and villainy. Yeah. Um, so, so here's a question. Do you think, like, have the show... Con- so... Are you satisfied with the level of Jedi in this show? Do you th- and you know? Do you think if the show had continued, would we have finally flat out gotten a Jedi character at some point? They they mentioned a lightsaber. They used one in one episode. Is that right? Yeah, uh, the uh, George Dusat has a lightsaber in in his speeder that he just says, "Yeah, an old guy." Uh, came for uh, hired us to work on his speeder, and he left some junk behind. And like, but that's it. Uh, I don't believe Jedi or Force is ever mentioned in this series. There's uh, and C three PO says, "Oh, a lightsaber!" But that's it. That's that's the beginning and end of it. I I appreciated how they decided not to lean on the Jedi, and here's why. I think you have what I would describe as the Avengers problem in that you introduce the Avengers, a team of superheroes, and then in any subsequent movie when they have a problem, the immediate thing that comes to mind is, well, why don't they get on the cell phone and call the Avengers to take care of it? Hmm. The Jedi are essentially super... I don't like putting it this way, but they're basically superheroes in the Star Wars universe. And so when you have this, like, skeleton key, this, uh, you know, these gods among us that can solve any problem that immediately removes a lot of the stakes. You can have them pop in here or there, and if you do that, you, they would be like a really big deal. Like, whoa, look how powerful this guy is. But if someone's using a lightsaber, using the Force every episode, it becomes not as special. True, and it, and it is a, a shocking amount of restraint, especially comparing this to virtually every other manifestation of Star Wars. This is probably the least amount of Jedi ever. Jedi took over the prequels. Um, Jedi showed up quite a bit in the video games. Uh, you know, the, the, even like Dark Force is the first person series. Second uh, game in that series, all about becoming a Jedi. Uh, it, it, it is almost shocking compared to the rest of Star Wars that we don't get it in this show. And, and that's something very, that is very special about this and very unique as far as Star Wars tie-ins go. I mean, we talk about like you know what kind of Star Wars stuff in the future that I would like as far as TV shows go. Not not specifically talking about droids. They did so many expanded universe comics and novels and stuff. Why not start adapting those as like made for Disney Plus movies? I mean, much like Marvel and DC have done with their direct to video adaptations of uh, their classic comics. I mean, there's but there's potential there, uh, but you know, is I, I guess that becomes a t- uh, 
uh, a thorny issue as various things have been either canonized or decanonized based on the whims of certain people in suits. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, as long as we're like jumping around talking about Star Wars in this episode, and we should probably get back to droids proper in a minute. What's your whole feeling on the infamous Star Wars Legends branding? And let's explain that to the audience. Yeah, so um, shortly before the new uh, trilogy movie started being released, um, and after you know Disney had bought Star Wars, uh, this official announcement kind of went out that essentially virtually everything that was part of what was then referred to as the Star Wars Expanded Universe, which was pretty much everything that wasn't a movie, uh, that was decanonized, that was declared to be the Legends, um, and... Only And the only stuff that was still canon were the movies, whatever future movies were going to come out, and the Clone Wars, because that was still on television. Um, how successful that division has been, it's it's not a hard line. I mean, Admiral Thrawn has been recanonized because he was such a beloved part of Star Wars. And that's the thing. Star Wars did be, did become, by the late 90s, much bigger than the movies. And like I, I would consider Admiral Thrawn an integral part of Star Wars. It's kind of hard to conceive of modern Star Wars without him. So I'm glad they've brought them back. But that leads to all the usual continuity problems. What is and is not canon? What can and cannot I reference in this tie-in work that I'm, that I'm doing? Um, and also... What happens when a recent Star Wars tie-in gets decanonized? Because you know it's coming. Yeah, not just that. And, and one bit of... I mean, I, I can't say I've read really much, if if any, complete novel of the post-Legend stuff. So I am somewhat talking out of my ass here. But from a marketing perspective, uh, starting with Force Awakens, they, they have this branding on the books, whether it's a novel or a children's book or a sticker book, saying the road to the Force Awakens, right? The road to the Skywalker, uh, whatever the movie's called, Rise of Skywalker. Um, and when, especially when they did it the first time around for Episode 7, they made it seem like you need to buy, or not you need, but if you buy all these books with this branding on it, you'll find exclusive hints and nuggets about Episode 7. And that ended up being almost like a complete lie in some aspects, where it's like this thing has one sentence or one tiny bit of art relating to this episode seven. Yeah. And, and I've, and I've talked about my, my view on, on Canon, but you know, I, I don't believe in it. As far as I'm concerned, all manifestations of star Wars are, are valid in their own ways. And I find it, I find it insulting where there's this large body of interconnected fiction uh, and someone has the audacity to say, okay, you see these completely imaginary stories they're not the real completely imaginary stories. These completely imaginary stories are the real completely imaginary stories. That just, it's just, I, I find that so intellectually dishonest and distasteful. Uh, just the, the, the idea that one branch of, because of a bureaucratic stamp of approval, one work of fiction is more valid and real than another work, work of fiction. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I was kind of, use the metaphor like you got you have people i don't know astronauts sitting around a campfire and one guy goes you know luke skywalker i think he did uh he ate a cheese sandwich on this planet and saved the world and the other one was like well actually he fought his father darth vader on you know these are all stories people are telling in this fictional universe if all the dates and stuff don't match up uh, i agree so what i i'm not a uh a, a canon 
uh, nitpicker squabbler, although it can be fun to, <laughs> to argue about some of those things sometimes. But it's uh, at the end of the day, you have to tell a good story with, with, with great characters. You have to have a compelling reason for people to come back uh, to your property, in this case, Star Wars, which is um, a, a very big property, a huge property. And yet I, I somehow suspect that Disney is kind of mad that Star Wars is not pumping out as many movies a year as Marvel has been doing. That, especially under the, um, with Disney owning Marvel, that you've had more Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in just a little bit over a decade than you've had James Bond movies over 50 years. (laughs) It feels like you're really uh, clogging the pipe, so to speak. I think it's too much. Um, but I'm not a businessman. <laughs> I have a day job, you know, I, so, uh, what, at the end of the day, what do I know? We're just having fun, uh, talking about these things here. And so um, tying this, yeah, tying oh, back did you have to a, a, yeah, tying back to yeah. droids. So I guess since we're talking about what is and is not canon, do, do you, uh, do you have a, a favorite, uh, absolute break or failure in continuity with with this show either with how it connects to star wars as it existed or as it connects to the whole body of star wars as it exists today big continuity violations i i I would say the 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 bunta eve race you don't have the same delightful two-head announcers doing the race as you do in the Phantom Menace. So it's continuity for a movie that has not come out yet. Well, I like to think that they're like two local radio guys from Tatooine. <laughs> like that's their market. Yeah, that's why I, they're not on this other planet for Boonti. <laughs> but I can, um, you know, if they were to re-release these episodes again or something, I could imagine them animating a new scene, forcing those guys in there or having those <laughs> actors redub over the announcers. Star Wars droids, the special editions. <laughs> yeah, which they kind of did when they did the re-release of it on DVD um, shortly after Revenge of the Sith. They edited the second and third story arcs into feature films, just like George Lucas did with Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. And they, they added some... Uh, in one of them, they added new narration by an actor doing a knockoff of Mungo Baobab. Huh. Of course, those are hard to find and rather expensive. Uh, that's that's true. I, I, if they had been easy to easier to find, I probably would have copies already. I'm as, kicking myself as I am fond yeah, of this show. I'm kicking myself for not picking up a copy of that and of the Star Wars Ewoks double feature DVD. Because when I worked at that movie stop store, we had a lot of weird shit come in that I wish I would have bought. That's worth uh, with quite Wilford a lot Brimley. of money. What? With Wilford Brimley. Uh, yeah, Wilford Brimley, and in fact, some of those aliens they used as uh, uh, villains on the Ewok show. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely working on a. I guess the Ewoks expanded universe got all the love uh, at this time. Oh, it is the Smurfs, right? I mean, that's basically <laughs> what they made the cartoon into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all intents and purposes. Yeah, but I guess like me looking back, I'm not sure there are any like big continuity uh, gaps uh, in this series, if only because you know the galaxy's a big place. For all we know, all this is happening on the opposite side of the galaxy from Tatooine. So the place furthest from the place that is furthest from the bright center of the universe. 
Yeah, the only other one that jumps out to me is um, there's that character in the first arc that's part of the rebellion, and like C-3O was rummaging, rummaging through her garbage or something, looking for something, and she's like, oh my, she's a member of the some sort of rebellion. Well, yeah, well, he, he flat out says, this reminds me of the rebel base. That's it, but, yeah, yeah. But like, so I guess, I, that presumes they've been in a rebel base before. I kind of want to see that story, like how close did they get to the rebellion with a previous master? And what what that would have looked like? I mean, um, did, did you ever watch in the the Star Wars Episode Three Revenge of the Sith DVD? It had deleted scenes on there. I have not seen those deleted scenes. Okay, and unfortunately, some of these were not carried over onto the Blu-ray for reasons which I do not understand. But uh, um, anyway, there is a, a long deleted scene, a, a pretty boring exposition scene, but still uh, interesting for canon purposes. Of it had Natalie Portman as Amidala, sort of forming the bones of the rebellion. It, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, scene. yeah, and it's it's not the best written scene. It's quite clunky, but it gives her more to do and and has even more to tie in with episode four. There's so much legwork that movie had to do. The Galactic Empire is like sand. It's just coarse, gritty. It gets everywhere. I support a vote of no confidence in the rebellion. <laughs> I, I, I've had this idea for years, and I really should do this now that I have a computer that can do decent editing. I want, oh, to yeah. take, I want to take the political sequences from the Star Wars prequels and re-edit it to make them seem like Oliver Stone, like C-SPAN style, like thrillers. <laughs> Back into the left. The Senate is not part of a committee. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like there's enough, like... Um, Anyway, we've we've had this discussion several times before about the prequels. You can find these old episodes at some point at sequelcast2.com. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've beat around the bush here with a whole lot of Star Wars droids and what we'd like to see. And uh, do you have any single... You talked about what story arcs we liked. Do you have a, a favorite episode and a least favorite episode? Oh, gosh. Uh, so, I... I... Overall, I think my favorite is The Great Heap. Just in general, it's got everything I like. Um, if if I've got a least episode, I feel like Kobe and the Star Hunters, just because it feels like a lot of dead weight. It also isn't very well structured. Like, the fact that, uh, that Jan just shows up at the end out of nowhere and couldn't possibly know where they are. It's just, it just seems so, so poorly, poorly done. It feels tossed off. I feel like they could have done a better episode uh, uh, to, to round out that story arc. But how about you? Do you have a, a best and a worst? Okay. Sorry, I had to, I'm to drive off to some place in a minute here. Yeah, so my best and the worst. Uh, I, I would say my favorite, and I hinted at this before, was A Race to the Finish, the, the, the closing of that initial... Uh, Cease oh. from Mark. I, I think it is. Um, you have Boba Fett. They mentioned Jabba the Hutt. You have like an exciting pod race. Uh, you have some bigger stakes. You have people backstabbing each other. I, I think it's just a really good mix uh, of the kind of pulp action that, that Star Wars, uh, when it's firing in all cylinders, tends to do. Um, as far as the the least episode, uh, least favorite one, I am not a fan of um, the new king, the second episode in the Pirates and the Prince arc. You just, it it just feels very sluggish, and them going to this, uh, 
almost like Aztec looking temple. It feels more like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and and, mm. and, and, and the pacing in that episode I think is is frankly a bit a bit terrible. It's somewhat interesting. You're introducing magic of sorts into Star Wars, uh, but it is not. Um, to me, I think that's when the show falls flat. It feels more like a, a bad Thundercats episode or something. Well, I, I uh, have a question for you. This would be this will be our uh, our final droid eye for the Jedi. But across the whole series, who do you think the secret Jedi Master is? Taking everything that we know into account, the secret Jedi Master might just be someone we thought was a villain, but was secretly screwing things up, being clumsy all along. I'm, of course, talking about Kaibo Rencha. Hmm. But he's not a droid. It has to be a droid. No, no, it can be, it can be okay. any character. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, no, I think it's Kaibo... You think we'd have this figured out by yeah, our last episode? <laughs> okay. Uh, Kaibo Ren, I, I think, because he's so clumsy. He, he fails so many times, and even though he might capture the heroes, he doesn't capture them very well. He gets tricked with, like, a bucket knocked on his head or something. Um, mm. <laughs> he is... It, it's all a front. He's being bad, but he's really good. And he is secretly helping the heroes to uh, to win the day and to protect the fuel shipments. Interesting. What about that, you? That is a definitely a unique take. Uh, but I think, look, looking over this show, taking everything I know, I think... I think the real Jedi Master is actually two. It's you and it's me. The real Jedi Master was in us all along. We we've, we have the willpower, we have the drive, we have the connection to the Force, we have the, the cool, analytical eye to take this in. We apparently know a lot about lightsabers. On the whole, if you look at all of this, I, I think the Jedi Masters are us and the friendship that we shared, the force of friendship that we shared, during this podcast. In fact, you need the, um, the, the, the will of the force, so to speak, to make it through <laughs> all the droids episodes and to talk about it at, at, at such length, uh, because th- <laughs> there's very few, um, <laughs> if any web pages devoted to star Wars droids. You might see an article here and there, uh, on some kind of an anniversary, but there's little, uh, literature or discussion on the series. And I hope, um, Someone will stumble upon this podcast and maybe be inspired to check it out. And perhaps with uh, Disney wanting every excuse me Disney wanting every piece of Star Wars content available, we'll see this series officially released in its entirety. Uh, if not on Disney Plus, maybe as a print-on-demand DVD set or something. And who knows? Maybe somebody listening to this episode is going to go on to do an episode that recaps every uh, episode of Ewoks, and I would I would listen to that. And uh, and who knows, maybe um, someone at uh, at Lucasfilm at Disney will be listening to this podcast and go, "Hey, we could use audio commentaries for these classic droids episodes." And, I'd be up for that. And give us a gig for no money and no exposure. Uh, uh, but hey, if you want to pay me, I'll I'll, I'll write your droids comic. <laughs> <laughs> sure, me too. Just Why putting not? that out uh, there. Yeah. Uh, and, and it doesn't even have to be Disney. If you are a non-Disney person who wants a droid comic written, come to me. I'm available. And in fact, that's going to be our, our next um, sort of miniature podcast. 
if you want to pay me, an episode in which we just beg for gigs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, know, you joke, but I would totally do that uh, as a podcast about freelancing. God. Oh, all the freelancing stories. Uh... Yeah. So are you ready to take our last look into the expanded universe? Yes, yes. I, I, I have to get going soon, so sure. All right. So in a previous episode, uh, I mentioned that I'd found a really awesome hardback collection of all of Marvel's old droids and Ewoks comics. Yes. That is what I'd like to talk about. And as it says on the cover with a nice golden banner, it's Legends. Okay. But I started, you know, I started reading the, uh, the droids uh, comics that are in here. They're... Overall, they're fun. They do capture the spirit of the show. Uh, most issues begin with them f- being taken in by a new master and getting involved in whatever shenanigans their master is involved in, and then parting ways at the end. Uh, the art isn't exactly inspired. That's one of the interesting things about the art, um, because a handful of things from the Droids animated series, aside from R2-D2 and C-3PO, do show up in this. Whenever it's something from the movies or from the mm. animated series, it's on model and it looks gorgeous. But if it's not, it kind of looks like an Archie comic. How how is the cover artwork? The cover artwork the cover artwork is dynamic but but kind of basic. I mean, it clearly is a kids comic based on an animated series. Um, one thing I did like though the the second story involves the Fromm gang. Size uh, uh, you have uh, Tig Fromm and Vlix. Nice. Uh, are holding an engineer hostage, trying to get him to upgrade the laser, the weapon systems on one of their cruisers, so that they can use it to take over another mob's territory. But no, none of the comics are direct adaptations of the television series. Uh, no, they're all they're hmm. all original stories. Although there is some overlap. There's one where they get involved in the, with a pirate, and the pirate's kind of like a tall version of Kaibo Ren. Uh, a bit more dashing, like if Kaibo Ren had Gaston's build, uh, that's what uh, that's what he would have. There's also they clearly there was some sort of series bible that both the people on the show and the people making this uh, comic were doing because there's a Governor Coog is one of the first villains they go across, and he has the exact attitude of Governor Coog except he's a Gamorian. Weird, but like overall, it is it, it has been fun. I'm enjoying it just as like a simple, straightforward comic. Sure. And I've also been enjoying it as a piece of nostalgia. It certainly does have its failings, but overall I'm glad I'm glad I picked these comics up. It's been it's been fun to uh fun to see what Marvel was doing with these Star Wars characters back in the eighties. Yeah. And I, it does feature an issue uh where the droids and the Ewoks team up. Yeah, I mean speaking of droids, I believe one of the last episodes of Marvel's uh run of Star Wars comics, just, you know, under the, the name Star Wars, uh, was a retelling of A New Hope from the point of view of C-3PO and R2-D2. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't really see... I think they were really stretching for ideas, but that, that's sort of a different Rosencrantz and Guildenstern take on the galaxy far, far away. Um, I would say for my my uh, expanded universe, you know, sort of thing, uh, it's always with, with the the video games for me, checking these out. And I was checking out, I just need to double check on the name of this really quick. (laughs) Yeah, this would have been a game I used to have on, uh, it was a GameCube exclusive, Star Wars Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike. 
And, oh, cool. Yeah, and these games were kind of like X-Wing, but, you know, kind of more arcade-y. Um, the, the second one, Rogue Squadron, Rogue Leader, to Rogue Leader, it was excellent. But this third one, um, on this disc, as part of an unlockable, they have a documentary that, that's a bit too candid, I think, because uh, one of the designers says, well, we did pretty much everyone who wanted to do with the second game, but it sold a lot of copies, so we had to do a third game. <laughs> and and the decision they make, which is quite poor, is, um, you know, a lot of Star Wars stuff happens on planets, so let's have some missions where the people get out of the ships and fight things. And those play Ooh. like a bad version of, uh, like, Tempest or Robotron 2084 where you're being attacked by masses and masses of troops and you're kind of strafing and shooting. Um, and, and much like Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, it's retelling the plot of the Star Wars movies. Um, so this game, uh, some knocks against it, although it looks better than the second one, it's not nearly as polished. The single-player campaign is much more disjointed. But I think one thing that's really cool is the in a multiplayer mode, you can play the entire campaign of the second game as co-op-only missions with better graphics. Hmm. And as unlockables, it has all the old Star Wars arcade games in there. Really? Yeah, you put in special passwords and you get to play them. Oh, that's awesome! So, um... This this game is not that great. And the thing that kind of breaks my heart about this series, like all together, the original one, Rogue Squadron, uh, it was on Nintendo 64, I think. This, this company that had developed these, it was published by LucasArts, but developed by Factor 5. They had a, a, a compilation of these games for the Wii with remastered graphics and a special multiplayer mode with uh, lightsaber battles and, and stuff using Wiimote Plus. And they just needed, like, a, a last, I don't know, like, half million dollars or something to wrap up development on the game and do marketing and, and print the disc. And LucasArts wouldn't give it to them because the sales projections of the title would not be high enough. It was LucasArts was in a volatile period where they kept on having different presidents every year and each time a new one comes in, the old project gets shit-canned. So there is like a completed gold disc kind of copy of remastered versions of this. If not the trilogy, at least the second and third games. That I think really could have been something. That never came out. I'm still, I'm still waiting for the day somebody writes an authoritative book on Star Wars games that never happened. So many of those. So many. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite one, I might have talked about this on the show, was they were developing some prequel era game involving, involving Darth Maul and, and some other character that was already established as a villain. And George Lucas had to sign off on these like broad pitch for the games, right? And, and George mm -hmm. Lucas came in and took action figures of these two characters, and he's like, what you need to do for this game is these two characters, they're going to be best friends. And so, because when George Lucas says something and you're working for the Lucas uh, Lucas Arts, Lucas Film, or whatever, um, you have to do what he says or else you get kicked off the project. They had to, like, re rejigger the whole project in a way that was less than satisfying <laughs> of what their initial concept was. 
And the game never came out anyway. That they never did a Darth Maul game is pretty goddamn weird. You know, that's true. I mean, that that's that's a premise with some legs. What, what's the one you were going to say? I, I thought you were going to talk about 1313, but I think we've already we've already uh, beat that dead horse. <laughs> kind of uh, Star Wars meets Uncharted. In uh, the underbelly of Coruscant. Yeah, uh, Uncharted Tomb Raider kind of title. Yeah, and, and, and with EA, it, we are getting a single-player game called, like, Fallen Order or something. That's a single-player Jedi game uh, coming out later this year set in the episode three time period so that could be cool um but yeah so i mean this whole mini series of uh limited series of uh in trouble again a star wars droids has been really fun and i'm glad you came up with this idea thrasher i i know this, this has been this has been really fun i hope i hope we get to do a limited series like this again sometime in the future yep so uh on that note stay tuned <laughs> indeed so I guess I guess there's nothing else to say about Star Wars droids. Nope. We said it all in <laughs> over a dozen hours of content. <laughs> well then I guess then I guess this will be our final wrap up then. So I, I have been uh I've been your host, William Thrasher. With me as always is my counterpart, Matt Shergi. Hi, yes. And uh for in trouble again, Star Wars droids. This is Matt. And <laughs> this is Thrasher. Saying. You know what too? I think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Now where's my oil bath? Hurry up, you miscreant. Beep, 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 boop, boop. That's right, I'm in charge now. Hmm.